All right, guys and gals, thank you so very much. Good to be here. My plan is not to keep you long, maybe an hour and a half or so. <clears throat> I just found out two minutes ago I'm preaching, so. <laughs> hey, good to see you guys here today. I know we've got, uh, we've got a number of, of guests with us today, and welcome. Glad that you are here, whether you're in town visiting family or whether you're from right here locally, we are glad that you are with us today. I uh, hope to get to speak to you before you get out. If I didn't get to get a chance to talk with you before services begin, I'm, I'm going to hang around and try to catch you on the way out. So if you want to dodge me, you got to go out the back door. And guess what? We don't have a back door. So. <laughs> All right, here we go. Luke chapter number 1 is going to be our text for this morning. I'm going to start reading in verse number 39. And we're going to look at this text. I, I want to major on the on the really the setup for what's known as the Magnificat. I always wanted to have a house cat and name it Magnificat. It's Latin, you know. It's, it really comes from the first word in the text, where Mary says, "My soul magnifies the Lord." But nonetheless, it's her expression of worship for. Uh, what God was doing in her life, and that is being the bearer of His Son. So we'll look at that, that very famous text today. Let's begin reading in verse number 39 of Luke chapter number 1. The Bible says, Now at that time Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. How has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy." And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For He has regard for the humble state of His bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generation will count me blessed." For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is His name. And His mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear Him. He has done mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He's given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. And Mary stayed with her, that is Elizabeth, about three months and then returned to her home. It wasn't very long ago, I was bored and flipping through the channels and I found a documentary on that really caught my attention. It was on the subject of spontaneous human combustion. Now, have you ever heard of that subject? If you've heard of it, raise your hand. I, I, okay. Uh, some of us have, have heard of it. It really is a strange phenomenon, a phenomenon. It's unexplainable, really, and it happens when people who are normally at a state of rest, either taking a nap or sick or some, for some reason or another reclining, that their body temperature just raises and they literally catch flame or catch fire and combust to the point that there's absolutely nothing left for them except for an outline of ashes where they were laying. And, you know, science is really stretched to try to figure this out because this sounds hocus-pocus and it really does sound Twilight Zone-like stuff. And... Having, you know, a background in fire science and knowing a little bit about fire behavior, uh, I'm extremely tantalized by the subject of spontaneous human combustion. 
And there really is no explanation for it. I mean, the closest thing I can get to explaining it is, you know, I've, I've heard about some people, uh, for instance, like Ron Monk over here, who has enough money to burn a wet mule. You ever heard of folk like that? <laughs> and I was thinking, you know, maybe if you have enough money to burn a wet mule, you could probably burn yourself as well. But you know, it'd take a good bit of money because stop and think about it. The human body, the, the, the major component of human body is water. So, you know, what does it take to get a human body to self-combust and just absolutely disintegrate? Don't know how to explain it. Now, I can't explain it if that ever happens to Ron Monk. You see, he has so much money, I would just say, well, he fell asleep with his billfold in his pocket and kind of, kind of burned up. But anyway, that's spontaneous human combustion. So I, I really don't want to talk anymore about spontaneous human combustion. I want to talk about a related subject, which is Christmas worship, as we have exemplified in this text today. And I call it spontaneous consumption. So let's look at this, because really what we have here is a spontaneous worship service in a pretty high fashion that happened rather impromptu between these two ladies, one of them being Mary, the mother of Jesus, the other being a, a relative, probably a cousin, who had also conceived after the age of childbearing, as was announced by the angel Joseph to Mary, and we read and looked at that text next week. These two ladies get together, and as you listen to me read that text, what had to jump out at you was the amount of worship. I mean, this was nothing more than a good old home family worship service. And boy, what a high degree of worship it was. So, hey, at Christmas, if, if we're going to worship like this, we've got to know something about the dynamics of this Christmas worship, which was spontaneous consumption. How and why and when and where and all of that did it happen? How can you and I experience something of the same order? So let's look at this subject, spontaneous consumption, Christmas worship, and see how it is that it happens. I think the first thing that catches our eye in this text is this. It happens when there are two people who have been blessed. Two people who have been blessed. Now, look at this. In, in our text, what we have here is we have Mary, the mother of Jesus, who just a couple of days ago, the angel Gabriel came to her uh, in the verses just preceding this, where it's recorded, and announced to her that she was going to uh, conceive with uh, a miraculous conception, and she was going to be the bearer of the Son of God. And kind of as a token of, of Mary, here's a, a little something to help your faith here. Your cousin, Elizabeth, who has been barren all her life and indeed has passed childbearing years, she has also conceived and, and she is in her sixth month. So we've got two ladies here who have been blessed. Now here's the deal. If all it takes is two people who have been blessed getting together in order to have a spontaneous eruption of Christmas worship, how much more should there be an eruption of worship if we get 150 or so together in one room, huh? I mean, because here's the deal. You might think, no, wait a minute. Mary and Elizabeth, that's a little bit different level of blessing. No, it's not. I would submit to you that if you're a child of God, you are equally, if not more, blessed than they were. And here's the reason. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 that we have been blessed with ah, just a few spiritual blessings, right? What's it say, Jerry? We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now, if that's not enough for you, listen to what Jesus had to say himself about some of his disciples who were seeing things take place physically with their eyes. He told them, he said, You see these things and therefore you believe. But blessed are they who do not see these things and yet they believe. 
So I'm telling you, if all it takes for Christmas worship to spontaneously erupt is the meeting of two people who have been super blessed in Jesus Christ, then by golly, we ought to raise a roof in here today. Huh? Because there are some blessed people in this building. It'd do us good just stop maybe and, and, and count our blessings. And I think we'd see that our blessings supersede those of, of Elizabeth and Mary. But now let's look at this. Here are two people that were blessed who got together. And there was a, 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 an eruption of worship in the house of Elizabeth and Zechariah. What was driving that? This is a very good question. Let me answer it for you real quick. Notice what the Bible says about these two people that got together. They got together because there is a natural attraction. Get this. There is a natural attraction between blessed people. Did you see that? Did you pick it up in the text? I mean, the, 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 the angel comes to Mary and he announces this great blessing upon her. She doesn't delay very long. And the story picks up with Mary getting up and traveling by foot, no telling how many miles from Galilee down to the hill country of Judah to meet with another girl that she heard had been blessed as well. I'm telling you, when you have two people who have been blessed by God, there is just a natural, may I change that word and say, there is a supernatural attraction between those two people. They want to get together. Because nobody else can understand what's going on in their life, what's going on in their world, what's going on in their mind and their heart and their soul. Can't nobody else understand that except somebody else who's also blessed. Those are the only people who have a point of reference. So Mary has a natural attraction. Elizabeth has a natural attraction for Mary. They want to get together. And when they get together, man, a fire starts, does it not? I mean, you can see that taking place. Now let me meddle here for a little while this morning. Because here's one of the greatest heresies that grips the United States of America today. I deal with it almost on a weekly basis. We dealt with it this week, didn't we, Colton? Here's what folks say. Well, you don't have to go to church to go to heaven. I mean, I hear that. I mean, that seems to be the mantra of... American society today that has such an anti-church bent that they're doing anything they can to justify why they don't have anything to do with the people of God and with other people who have been blessed. And can I just say to you, maybe from a purely theological perspective, maybe that is right. But can I tell you that from a, another foot of theology... You cannot be a child of God and not have natural attraction for the people of God who've been blessed along with you. You just can't. I mean, you can't take a theological hammer big enough and fit that into the box. Here's what John says. John says, by this, we know that we've passed from death unto life because of what? Because we love the brothers and sisters. That means we love other people who've been born again. Hey, here's what it means. It means we love the church. There will be a natural attraction between two people who've been blessed. That's all there is to it. And man, if we don't have a natural attraction, if we don't have a supernatural love for the family of God, man, I would question whether or not I had really been born again and blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. You see where these two girls, nobody had to tell them to get together. They just had a natural attraction. They had to get with somebody else who understood what was going on in their world because I promise you, folk who haven't been born again don't understand it. Let me tell you what folk who haven't been born again don't understand. They don't understand why folk who have been born again are going down to church on Christmas Eve. Huh? They don't. They don't understand why you give of your money to help get this message around the world. They don't understand why we're consumed with this message to the point that we think everybody ought to hear this thing. They don't understand any of that. So some of your greatest critics are going to be those people who don't understand. And the reason they don't understand is because they have no point of reference. And by golly, listen to me. 
if you live with a bunch of heathen all week and you're a child of God, come Sunday you want to get with somebody that understands you. Huh? You just really do. So these two girls had this supernatural attraction for one another and that supernatural attraction was based on the fact that they had both been blessed in the highest order. So check it out. Not only did they get together because there was a supernatural attraction, but when two people who are blessed get together, there's no need for explanation. Hey, did you pick up what was missing in this text? Mary just walks in the house. She didn't walk in and say, Hey, Elizabeth, something wonderful happened to me. Let me explain to you what happened. The angel Gabriel came to me and he told me that somehow or another the power of the Most High was going to overshadow me and even though I'm a virgin, I'm going to conceive in my womb and I'm going to be the bearer of God's Son. She didn't say any of that. There was no explanation, Dr. John. As a matter of fact, Elizabeth didn't stop and tell her, Oh my goodness, I can't believe that's happened to you because something similar has happened to me. I'm an old woman. I'm not supposed to be having kids. We thought it was done with. And by golly, God has blessed me and we are finally going to have a son even now. now. There was none of that. None of that. There's just no need for explanation. Man, I, I tell you, we experience this so much on the mission field. One of the supernatural elements that, that we commonly encounter on the mission field is this. We bring folk down and... Uh, when we bring a church down to the mission field, nobody, usually nobody on that short-term team has a clue of what they're hearing from our Quilombola believers. You know why? They're speaking Portuguese. That's right. So naturally, they can't nobody understand a word they're saying. But I'm telling you, almost everybody on a short-term team, as soon as worship start, service begins, everybody says, I don't understand a word they are saying, but man, I have such a spiritual kinship with them. I can tell that I'm in the presence of brothers and sisters in Christ. You can't explain that. And you see, that's what God does. And that's one of the reasons why believers are attracted to one another. We don't have to explain one another. There's just this unspoken thing that goes on that, man, we get one another and that drives us to worship Him. Now check it out. How do they do that? Well, the, the Scripture does give us some clues about that. Why was there no need for explanation? How did they understand one another perfectly? How did they comprehend? How did Elizabeth comprehend the magnitude of what God was doing in Mary's life without any words of explanation? Well, I, I think the answer is found right here in verse number 41. Notice what the Bible says. As soon as Elizabeth heard Mary's greetings. In other words, Elizabeth walks in the door and says, Hello, Elizabeth. That's all she said. And look, it's like the Lord takes over everything else. Check out with me in verse 41. When Mary heard, or when Elizabeth heard Mary's greetings, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Boy, there's the key right there, isn't it? This is not like spontaneous human combustion. It's not hocus pocus. It's just the Spirit of God doing what the Spirit of God does. So how was it, Jared, that they understood one another? They understood one another because that's the basis of the Holy Spirit's ministry. That's what He does. Do you know He's a pretty good communicator? Hey, He's the ultimate communicator. Hey, if we've got a problem hearing from the Lord, it's not because He has a problem speaking, it's because we have a problem hearing. And here the Bible talks about Elizabeth. Now get this, this is way back before He's universally poured out upon all believers, right? This is one of those selective times when God the Father fills somebody with God the Spirit and now look at everything that's going on. Look... You know, we can rationalize all this stuff away if we want to, but I'm telling you there is a supernatural dynamic to Christianity that Islam don't have, that Hinduism doesn't have, that Jehovah's Witnesses do not have, that Mormonism doesn't have. There is a supernatural dynamic, brothers and sisters, that we ought to be enjoying that folk on the outside can't understand, but we get it. 
Huh? And now here, they get one another. Do you get what I'm saying? I mean, I think that's one of the things that glues the people of God together, is it not? We get one another on a spiritual level that can't be explained or quantified academically. It's we just get one another. Check it out. Not only was this lack of explanation based on the Spirit's ministry, but notice all of this also is based on the Son's identity. On His identity. Hey, hear me. We're not going to open this, but Mary's not blessed because Mary was a righteous woman or she was some super class of, of, of believer in Israel at that time. Mary's blessing is based solely upon the identity of the baby that she's carrying and that baby is the miracle of the incarnation, Jesus Christ Himself. Hey, listen. Our blessing is not because we're good. Because we're not. Huh? I heard a paradox while I... You know, I heard a lot of stuff while I was on sabbatical because I was kind of studying some men, putting my ear to the ground, listening to what some men were saying. And here's what one guy said. He said, listen, he says, uh, here's the problem that most believers have. They don't know how to filter good or bad out of their life. Well, I'm pretty good at filtering good out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, I've told you the story about drinking perfume. When people start telling you how good you are, I had a professor who said that's like perfume. It smells good, but you don't drink perfume. So here's what this guy said. He said, when folks start bragging on you and tell you how good you are, which has never been my problem, <laughs> he said, don't believe them because you are never that good. Huh? And I thought, yeah, that's pretty good. But now, that's not my problem. But here is my problem. I don't know how to filter the bad. Because when folk tell me how bad I am, here's what he would say. He would say, when folk tell you how bad you are, he said, you've got to filter that too because you're not near that bad. Oh, but I usually add too, you know, because I really do know how bad I am. I mean, I, 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 do we, are we not more aware of that? But here's the deal. Mary was blessed not because anything on her account, brothers and sisters, she was blessed because of the identity of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And I'm telling you, it's the same way with you. You're not blessed because you're a good old boy. You're not blessed because you tried to live a faithful life as a woman. The blessings that come to us do not come to us on the basis of who we are, what we have done, but they come to us 100% solely based upon who He is and what He's done. I mean, somebody ought to write a song, call it What He's Done, huh? Because that's the basis of our blessing. So there's a lot going on here based on the identity of Jesus Christ, and I'm just kind of wondering if I want to pull that out now or yeah you know I really think I do I, I, I was thinking about saving that kind of for the coup de gras down at the end of the sermon but let's go ahead and look at this notice what it is that, that Elizabeth said Elizabeth says in verses 42 and 43 look what she does blessed are you among women why because you are a pious young virgin girl uh, in a, the most pious in all of Israel Mary no why are you blessed? You're blessed because of the fruit of your womb. Now check out in verse number 43. Here's what amazes me in this, in this dialogue, in this exchange. Remember, she is speaking because she is filled with the Holy Spirit. Look what Elizabeth says. Elizabeth says, How has it happened to me that the mother of who? The mother of who? Friend, there hadn't been anybody preaching about this yet. I mean, the prophet spoke about it, but it was kind of iffy as to when it was going to happen, how it was going to happen, where it was going to happen, with whom it was going to happen. And now here, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, talking about a baby, an unborn baby, in the womb of her cousin. And what does she call him? My Lord. Translation, he's my Savior. You're carrying the one who's going to redeem us, Mary. 
You're carrying the one who's ultimately going to bless us. That blows me away, but how did that happen? How did she know that? With no more information than she had on the table, and I can tell you how she knew it. She knew it because it is the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God to always shine the spotlight on the Son of God. So once she was filled with the Spirit, she didn't have a choice but to know. Because Spirit was making sure she knew who Jesus Christ was. Just blows me away. Spontaneous Christmas worship. Check it out. i got to hurry if I'm going to keep my word about not keeping you more than two hours, huh? Check it out. How does this spontaneous consumption happen? Man, when there are two people who have been blessed. Have you been blessed? You know anybody else who's been blessed? Don't you want to get with them sometime? That's what this is about. Check out number next. It also happens when there are two people who believe. Two people who believe. Look with me in um, verse number 45. Notice this last blessing that Elizabeth pronounces on her cousin Mary. Verse number 45. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Man, just as there's spontaneous consumption and and an eruption of worship when two blessed people get together, you get two blessed people who believe every jot and tittle of what God has said, and son, we'll raise roof in this joint. Just well. Notice what it is. She says, blessed are you, Mary. And why? Because you have believed. Can I just say, man, that holds true for you. You could probably write your name right there. Blessed is Jerry, who believed that there would be fulfillment of what had been spoken to by the Lord. You know, I could, uh, here's what belief is. And boy, in our society today, we just make up believing in any old thing. This ain't like believing in Santa Claus, huh? This ain't in just believing and hoping against hope that everything's going to work out because I'm an optimistic person. This is about believing a very specific message. So what is it that we believe as believers and what is the only basis that can call us a believer if we believe what? And here it is. If we believe the content of divine speech. If we believe the content of divine speech. In other words, if we believe what God has said. Now, the question that is begged there is what has God said? Well, here it is right here. He hadn't just given us a book. He's given us an entire library. Here's a collection of 66 books, brothers and sisters. And I'm telling you I might be a dinosaur, but I'm just foolish enough to believe it from Genesis 1 all the way to the end of Revelation. Because it is God's infallible, inspired Word. It's what man cannot live without. For man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And it is the content of what you and I are to believe if we're even going to be as brash as to call ourselves believers. Huh? Notice what she said. Here's the, divine con- or the content of divine speech. That there would be fulfillment of what had been spoken to you by The angel Gabriel? No. He was just a messenger delivering the word that he had been sent to deliver that comes from none other than God himself. So what is it that you and I are to believe? Oh, we're to believe what the Lord has said. So it happens when there are two people who believe. They believe the content of divine speech. But notice what else. They find contentment for their soul. Can I say to you, your your soul is always going to be vexed. You're always going to be searching for something somewhere to help fill that aching emptiness and unfulfilled spot in your heart until you just come to the place and say, God, I believe you. No matter what I have thought about life, about myself, about God, about ultimate matters and eternal destinies, no matter what I've thought in the past, no matter what I believe, I'm throwing all that away, God, and I'm standing fully, putting all the weight of my 
soul on what you have said. And boy, I want to tell you, we've moved so far away from that today. Just this week, dialoguing with a boy, you show him something in the Word of God, and he says, oh, well, I don't, that's not how we believe at our church. Wait a minute, dude. You don't have the right to make it up as you go along. Huh? We're not called to have a cafeteria program where we rip this page out and we like that page and we skip over the next one. It's not pick and choose what you want. Hey, did, did you know our theology is not determined based on our preference? Did you know that? We don't believe it because we like it. We believe it because God said it. Whether I like it or not, I believe it because God has said it. So yeah, we'll never find the contentment in our souls that these two woman, women had in this spontaneous eruption of Christmas worship. We'll never know that. We'll never touch it until we come to the place where we say, God, and here, you know, here's what you got to do. Here's, can, can I just be honest with you? Here's where it all started with me when I was just a young lad back on the coast of Mississippi, a little farm boy redneck. Here's where it all started. It's when I finally decided, look here, I'm going to pull my big theological britches on, and I'm going to believe this book from cover to cover until, God, you prove that I'm foolish for doing it. And that's where it all started. God said, if you're willing to take me at my word, then we got something we can work with. Do I understand it all? Heck no. But do I believe it? Yes, sir, I do. And I've got so many of my smart buddies with PhDs who look at the text with such a critical eye and they'll say, well, obviously this is not a part of the original manuscript because this is a, 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 a post-AD 65 extrapolation of the best con, con, conjuncture that we can give of this text. And I'll say, y'all idiots. Y'all too smart for your own britches. Here's what I do. If it's in there, by golly, I believe it. Huh? And I will tell you, there's freedom in that. And there's contentment in that. Well, check out number next as we walk on through this thing. We're finally going to get to the Magnificat, but I ain't going to take near as long on it. Here we go. Notice Christmas worship, spontaneous consumption. It happens when there are two people who have been blessed. Hey, we meet that criteria. It happens when there are two people who believe. Hey, we meet that criteria. Huh, don't we? And number three. It happens when people find their reason for being born. I hope we meet that criteria. You know, we talk a lot about God's sovereign foreknowledge. He knew you before you were formed in the womb. He had planned this before the foundation of heaven and earth. I know the plans I've made for you, says the Lord. But how many of us really know that we are being and doing what God caused us to be born into this space-time existence to do and be? You see, there's the difference. Man, if God really does have a plan for your life, if God really did mark all of this out, isn't it worth us trying to figure out, God, what is my purpose in life? What is the reason for which I was born? Because here's what's tricky about it. So many times we come with our own idea of what we want to do in life, but guess what? That might not be what God caused you to be born to do and be. And sometimes I want to tell you, it doesn't make sense socially, financially, anyway. I talked to a guy just the other day, Dr. John, in Troy, Alabama. Been practicing law most of his life. And he said, I've been miserable and I've been fighting it because all I ever wanted to do was practice law. And he said, I finally had to give in and say, God, I'm tired of trying to walk down this path that you didn't want me to walk. I'm surrendering and now that old boy is a preacher. You know what I said to him? I said, son, you just took a big pay raise, didn't you? 
<laughs> you went from law here to preaching? What you going to do with that money? <laughs> but look, that old boy has found the reason that he was born. You can't shake him off of it now for nothing. He's got contentment in his soul. He's got purpose in his life. And he's a joy to be around. Look, I'm attracted to people like that. That old boy's been blessed. He and I can get together and it's like, my word, two Baptists becoming charismatics. Huh? <laughs> Check this thing out. I got to hurry. It, this... Worship happens when people find their reason for being born. Now let's check this out in verse number 44. Look, here's what, here's what Elizabeth said. For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb. Who was the baby? John. I call him JTB. Mac, you're from... Uh, I used to write that in shorthand for my secretary when I was putting my sermon notes together. She'd say... What does J. Turner Butler have to do with this? Because that's the name of a big street in Jacksonville. So no, no, no. John the Baptist, JTB. I thought everybody knew that. So this was JTB that, that Elizabeth was carrying. He was about six months along in the process. Soon as Mary walks in, who has who in her belly? What does John do? You better believe it, he does. Uh, oh, John became charismatic before he was born, didn't he? Huh? He did. He, the Bible says he leaped for joy. Do you know why he did that? What was John's entire purpose in life? Why was John born? You're right. He was born to be the preparer of the way of who? Jesus. So even while he's in utero here, before being born... By the way, here's a good text for the sanctity of human life, is it not? Huh? Before he was born, three months before he was born, he comes in contact with the reason that he is going to be born. And you know what he does, Doc? He leaps for joy. This is my purpose. I'm, I'm next to my purpose. This is what the Lord God is forming me in the womb to do, to announce this one. He's right over here. He lives just two wombs down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean he knew it <laughs> what it was believe it or not it was <laughs> see it works don't it <laughs> my whole point works <laughs> thank you I couldn't just say that dang that was good Rich <laughs> Heather says all the time she says you should have been a lawyer because you can think on your feet quick. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think not. You, 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 gotta be sa you, you can't do that and be saved, can you, Doc? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm getting on dangerous ground here. Doc's daddy is a good Christian attorney, by the way. <laughs> here we go. Notice, it brought great joy to John. Why? Because he'd just come in close proximity with the reason for which he was going to be born. My, my, my. Man, I'm telling you, I don't know much in life. But the only way I can explain what I'm doing today, knowing where I come from, and what my environment conditioned me to do and be, and how much joy I get in doing this ridiculous thing. You know what my conclusion is? Doc, this is what I was born to do. And look, that's just not something preachers can find. I believe that is standard for everybody who has been blessed. That's just standard for everybody who believes. And man, I... My prayer for you this Christmas is, I hope you unwrap that gift and you understand the very reason for your existence and the purpose for your birth. Because I promise you, this thing's not happening haphazardly. God didn't just throw us all out there and say, go find it. 
He had a very specific reason when he thought about me before the foundation of the world. Check out number, number next. It brought, brought great joy to John, but it brought jubilation to Mary. I mean, look at this entire song that she composed spontaneously. Check it out. Why did it bring her jubilation? Let me hurry real quick through these and, and we'll be done. I think number one, because it gave her perspective. And that's what it does. When you find, when God leads you to the conclusion that this is why you were born, this is why you're drawing a breath on planet earth today is to be this and therefore do that. Man, it changes your perspective of everything. You start understanding things. You start seeing life in a different light. And things begin to, begin to make sense for you all of a sudden. Man. How did it give her perspective? Well, three ways and I'm done. It gave her perspective, number one, in personal matters. In personal matters. Can, can I just say to you, you can't even understand your own life, let alone anybody else's. If you've never been born again and you're living outside the reason that God caused you to be born, life is going to be nothing but a bunch of garbledy gook for you. It's going to be stuff that's just happening at random. There seems to be no order, no pattern. There's no fulfillment. There's no contentment. All you're doing is limping through, hoping that you make it through pretty good before you die and return to dust or before you spontaneously human combust. I don't know. But look at what she said here. I, I, if you have a pencil or a pen, notice the personal dimension to her song. Notice all of the first person personal pronouns. So let me take you back to fifth grade grammar, okay? Look with me. I'm going to get you started on this and you can search out the rest of them. Look in verse number 46. And Mary said, My soul, underline that first person Singular pronoun, my. Who's she talking about? She's talking about herself, right? Her world is beginning to make sense now. She says, my soul exalts the Lord. Look at verse number 47. My spirit, underline that one. Look in verse number 47. In God, my Savior. Wait a minute, Mary. You mean you're not the co-redemptress? On equal footing with Jesus Christ? Absolutely not. He is my Savior. Just like Elizabeth said, He's my Lord. Man, all of a sudden things are beginning to click for Mary. She's understanding some stuff. Notice what else she says. Look at uh, verse number 48. Uh, or verse, yeah, 48. From behold, or for behold, from this time on, all generations will count who? Me. She's still talking and understanding her own life and her own purpose will count me blessed. Notice verse number 49. For the, for the mighty one has done great things for you. No, she says, for me. It's still personal. I challenge you to go through this and continue. Underlining every time Mary brings all of God's purpose home. She says, now I understand some things. So man, when you, when you slip into your reason for being born, your purpose in life, all of a sudden you get another perspective even on your own life. And I'll tell you something. It looks a whole lot different from that perspective than it does from the other one. It just does. Hey, so many people today have this thing going on where they just self-deprecate and beat up on themselves, and have self-image problems and self-esteem problems, can I say to you, this is, the, this is the solution to all of that. And it don't even cost you $120 an hour to sit on somebody's couch to figure it out. It just don't. It'll give you a different perspective on your reason for being, on your life, and on existence. Check out number next. It changed her perspective in personal matters. But it changed her perspective in perplexing matters. Now, I don't know about y'all, but there's a lot of things in life. Jerry, I just look out and I scratch my head and I say, hmm, by golly, I can't figure that one out. I don't know what's going on here, God, but that's above my pay grade. I can't, I can't trace that one out and I don't know what you're doing. 
But all of a sudden, when Mary slipped into her purpose, a lot of things I think that she always wondered about started clicking and making sense. And it revolves around two theological categories in this, in this song. Write them down. Number one has to do with the might of God. Did you see that word repeated over and over? The mighty one or by his might or by his arm. Expressions like that. So here's your theological categories. Number one, the might of God. And then number two, the mercy of God. Now, you may want to define them like this. Here's what the might of God talks about. It just simply talks about all those things that God can do. And most of the time it's what God and God alone can do. I can't do them, but God can do them. So the might of God is what God can do. Now the mercy of God, let's define it like this. It's what God could do, but He doesn't. See, the might of God is what God can do and He does. And the mercy of God is what God could do, but He doesn't. And you follow this all through this Magnificat and you see that. She talks about things that I didn't understand, but now I understand it was God doing them. Let's point out a few of them. What do you say? The Mighty One, verse number 49, has done great things for me. And, and holy is His name. Now look at verse 50. She just waffles between these two theological categories, might and mercy. Look, and His mercy is upon generation after generation. Verse 51, He has done mighty deeds with His arm. And she begins to enumerate some of those things that she don't, she, she's never understood. For instance, here's one of the great perplexing questions of life. You ever been there? You ever gone down this road? Why is it that the wicked seem to prosper? <laughs> Why the folk who are trying to live a life of righteousness pleasing to God seem to suffer? You ever been down that road? And that's some of the stuff that Mary's dealing with right here in this Magnificat. And then she goes from might to mercy. Her mercy, look, let's see if I can pull one of them out real quick. He has given help, look, 54. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy. You know what she's saying? She's saying, you know, I don't understand this. We have been such a stiff-necked people. We have received the blessings of God, and we've done nothing but use them in vain on ourselves. We have profaned his name. We have violated his statutes. We have walked on his covenant. We have defiled his holiness and his character and his name. Why in the world didn't God just do this to Israel? And you know what Mary says I understand now? Mercy. God has had mercy on us for this reason. And for her it was for the reason that she was born, and that is to be the bearer of the Son of God. You know, you start looking in your life. If you had not found it yet, watch out. It's coming. If God does have a purpose for your life, if He's marked you out from eternity past and said this is who you're going to be and this is where you're going to walk, one day you're going to understand why He didn't just kill you for being such an idiot. Have you ever had that click? Has that ever clicked with you? I mean, I look back at my life and there were so many times God could have just easily let me. He wouldn't have to just let me consummate my own destruction, Jerry. And now looking back, I understand why He didn't. And you know what it causes me to do? Who said it? That's exactly right. Check it out. i got to get to where I'm going and we're doing. I promise you. Notice. Gave her a different perspective in personal matters, in perplexing matters, and then finally, give me just a few minutes here and we'll be done. Ahead of time. In perpetual matters. Because you know, really, that's what it's about. It's about what do I leave behind? What outlives me in life? And that's what most folk are looking at. If you want to talk about purpose in life, that's what it is. Purpose in life makes an eternal contribution. It's something that is not going to be put in that box with me, Dr. John. 
and buried. It goes on and on and on. And man, isn't that what, isn't that what our soul hungers for? To be involved in something that outlasts life, something that's bigger than life, something that's beyond me. And all of a sudden, this new perspective, it clicked with Mary. Check it out. Here's what she says in uh, verse number 55. Right after she's consumed with his mercy, in verse 55, she says, As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants. What's that next word? Forever. All of a sudden, she just took something in time and she just put it out on an eternal platform, said what he said just wasn't good for them back in the good old days. It's good for us now. It's good forever. And you see, that's ultimately what she's talking about. She's talking about perpetual matters. Because the bottom line, every one of us one day is going to step from this space-time existence and it's not a very far... Th- Don't think of it as on the other side of Jupiter or, or Pluto or whatever's way out there. It's right here. Just boop. The kingdom of heaven. And one day, every one of us is going to step from this time-framed existence into an eternal existence. And whether or not we have found our purpose in life based on His identity, not mine. Based on whether I have believed what He has said is going to determine what side I stand on. And listen, one of them is not that pleasant, but the other one is exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask, imagine, think, or expect. So here's the thing. Spontaneous Christmas worship erupted because all of the tentacles, not only implications in this life, but implications for eternity. Hey, I would highly recommend us giving some thought to it this Christmas season. Would you stand with me, please? Father in heaven, thank you for your word. And God, would you help your people right here in Bonifay, Florida at Grace Church kind of be the mirror expression of what happened in these two ladies' lives. Because God, we, as your people, we are people who have been blessed. As your people who have been born again, cleansed on the basis of what your Son has done for us. We are people who believe what you have said. And we are people, Lord, who are striving to step in to the divine purpose for our existence more and more every day. So God, would you allow us to be people who can worship you spontaneously? And God, would you be pleased because ultimately it's not about us but about you. You are the object of our worship. You are the one who receives our adoration. You're worthy of all praise and glory forever and ever. So God, would you use your people right here in Bonifay to fulfill your ultimate purpose in our lives for our good and for your glory. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Our worship team's going to